So there is a uh, there is a centripetal and central idea that we come back to often in the faith that we belong to, right? One died for all that all might live forever, right? It's a message of sacrifice. It's a message of endurance. It's a message of one man laying his life down, forsaking the fear that could have been there, forgetting about what was good for him in a moment, giving his literal life bludgeoned, beaten, betrayed, and the list goes on for us. Now, when we understand that message, I believe something powerful happens. Like when we really get it, right? It's one thing to have it here. It's a whole other thing that it downloads here. Salvation is not just confessing Christ is Lord. It's believing in our heart, right? The whole thing. Christ died on the cross for my sins. He was buried on the third day. God resurrected him from the grave, right? He's ruling and he's reigning at the right hand. One day he's returning again. He's sovereign. He's Lord of all. It's that internal belief. And as we begin this sermon series that we laid out and that we kind of set up last week, this mission-minded, motivated church concept from Acts 5, 12 through 16 here in the first week in a message that we're going to call Many Miracles Through Very Few Motivated Men, I want to give us and remind us of our goal, my goal as a foundation of our time together. Obviously, it's to see the bigger picture of God's story. And when we see the bigger picture of God's story, we understand that it has never or will never change, right? It's reliable. It's person after person. It's story after story. It's all 66 books, not just some books, not just some places. On every line, we find the Son of God divine. Long before all of this pre-planned, they were hovering over the waters in Genesis, right? Jesus always was, always will be the plan. So when we do and when we grab onto this concept of the story that God has that has never and will never change. We get it, and in doing so, things don't get to us like they used to. Right? In that exchange, honest exchange of my salvation, when I lay my life down and I come to the place, right? Jesus, I give you my heart. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, if, if it's me or anybody else, pick me. Here I am. Send me. We get closer to God in doing that. And we get more encouraged in our souls. Discouragement begins to dissipate. Because our focus is no longer in the futility of these things that it once was. Right? I'm no longer that sidetracked by some virus. I'm no longer that caught off guard when these businesses shut down because people don't want to work anymore. 
But what I am anchored in, what I am focused on is a faith and is a word and is a foundation and is a story that has never and will never change. My God, our God, the God of the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And when our focus is right and when our focus is in him and through him and by him and his never changing hand, we're not disillusioned by all these other things that once got us wrapped up, riled up, and caught us in a pit of despair. So we're more encouraged. And the greatest thing that I hope happens as we take ownership of our individual salvations and invest in the kingdom right where we're at here in good old Truesdale Mo, we get connected to our purpose and more involved with the mission. We actually get connected, right? We get connected. How many times and how many places and how many stories have you heard? And maybe at some point in your life, it was even a part of your story where people say that they went to church and they never got connected or we never love blah, 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 the list goes on. The gospel connects you into the mission. If the church has to connect you, it's either A, done in manipulation it's B with an agenda just as another number, right? And at best, I'm going to say C, it isn't rooted in the genuine Holy Spirit of God. If I have to tell you to do something in the name of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, something's missing. Because when I go places, the Holy Spirit gives me the discernment and the guidance that I need to get involved and to play my part. Now, here's the key. We have to know our lane. We have to know our gifts. We, we have to know ourselves, right? Here's the amazing thing about the faith. The faith is so cool because the very first thing that we do is the thing that society and the world cannot do. And because of that, they never grow as people. and They never get connected to anything. The very first thing that you and I get to do is we get to acknowledge, man, we are jacked up. Ah, let down the shoulders, man. Right? Not only have I failed, but I will continue to fail in many ways. But I'm grateful for God's word and the bigger picture and the bigger story. It's not about my failures or my successes. It's about the Christ that died on the cross for all of that. And that allows me to swing the bat and not watch strike three pass by. That allows me to be bolder. That allows me to grow in confidence, to grow in knowledge, to grow in grace. And, it, and you know what else it does? It, it allows me to disconnect with the disillusionment that the devil would normally plant in a person's mind who cannot say, hey, you know what? It's a me deal. How many of you guys are very aware of what your me deals are in life? right? I've got a lot of me deals. It's not a you deal. It's not a them deal. It's not a they. It, it, it's a me deal. But you know what's greater than all of my deals is the biggest of deals. These guys in this story, you got to think, are far from perfect. Peter has denied Jesus, has bailed on him when he needs him the most. 
right? He's done all of these things, cut a dude's ear off. I mean, you walk through the Bible and Peter will make you feel great about your personal character defects. I, I, I always like it. People come to me throughout the week and, you know, even, even on my job and stuff, and they'll be like, man, you know, what do you think about the Bible and family and all this other stuff? And I tell them all the same thing. Man, have you ever read the Bible's message on family? It's actually really encouraging because they're all very screwed up. Every family's really dysfunctional, right? Thank Adam and Eve, right? Like the, the model marriage of the Bible. Let's start with this, Adam and Eve. Well, my kids are crazy, don't get me wrong, but they haven't murdered each other yet. And that makes me feel good. As we take our time now to tend to God's word, to look into our lives, to let the Holy Spirit do what only he can do in Acts 5, 12 through 13. Message titled, Many Miracles Through Very Few Motivated Men. I want us to take one thought away. God doesn't need many people to accomplish a massive work. If he saved millions and billions and is still doing it today with one man, one man can still do a lot if his power is through that same person. Do you believe that? Look through the Bible. Look at these great examples of faith. Look at the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. It was one person against odds. Look at, look at Jesus, the foundation of our faith, right? He had 12 disciples, yes, but really truthfully, when I look at it, I'm like, he kind of had three. You know, you look at the transfiguration, you got Peter, James, and John, all the other guys can't even drive a demon out. He's like, hey, you guys, what are you doing? Right? Well, what are you doing? He comes back from this glorious moment. Peter, James, and John. Moses appears. Elijah appears. All this cool stuff's happening. They go down, and Jesus is just so discouraged. He literally says to these guys, how much longer do I have to be with you? Okay, so we look at Jesus. 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 How many of you guys are better than Jesus in the room? Not me. He had 12 who he really kind of was like, eh, I'll let you be a part of the story. Grace. Three, he even had a little bit more, you know, if it's just me, it'll be awkward. Come up here. We were just come to the mountain real quick. Why would we disillusion ourselves to believe that we're going to attract this mass gathering that will actually be genuine? Have you ever been there? I watch people do this to themselves all the time on social media, in life, and they really care about what people think. They, and I'm blown away because I'm like over here in the middle of the woods for a reason, right? Like I, I don't care what any of you think, and if you come here, there's no trespassing sign for a reason. You made a mistake. Because if I want to be where you're at, I'll be there. And when I'm here, I don't want you here. But if you call ahead, I might welcome you. Maybe we could work it out. You see, the mistake that these people didn't make of the many mistakes that they made, they didn't make the greatest mistake that's still being made today. They didn't disillusion themselves to believe that everybody was going to buy into what they were motivated by. Have you ever done that? 
Oh, I'm going to motivate people. I'm going to be an inspiration. I was laughing because I called this guy this week, and I'm like, hey, so you put these things online, and I want to know, like, do you really think you're an encouragement to people? And I'm not saying this to be mean, by the way. Like, this is not mean, okay? And, 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 and I'm like, what, what's, your, what's your purpose? Why, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he, he's like, yeah, I just want to. I was like, okay, but if we go away from that screen and we look at your life, you're lazy. What did you do that was really encouraging today? What are you standing for in the here and the now? What are you driving into? What are you pouring into? Not the moments where you can get something out of it. When nobody is looking, what are you doing that is really inspiring? Because laying on a couch isn't cutting it. Let's be honest. In the world now that has been created, by the way, not the real world, I'm talking about this whatever we're in. I feel like I'm George Jetson sometimes walking around. They've put this persona and painted this, this picture, right? That if I can look this way, or if I can be this way, or if I can act this way, then I'm accepted. And a lot of people are gaining... They're friends by people that hit a button that says add friend. You know? And that's pretty heartbreaking if you really think about what we've done there. These guys here knew better, seen better, were on to better. It wasn't that they were perfect. It wasn't that they didn't make mistakes. It wasn't that they didn't have problems and they didn't have past and they didn't have... They got it, right? Now, now here's a fact, okay? Here is a, a literal fact. And you guys all have this in common. The people you started out with aren't the people you finish with. Fair? But how many people are just looking for comfort in the temporal, looking for a quick appeasement, right? The greatest thing we can do is what God tells us to do. Be a people that are planted and rooted and firm in our foundation, right? Those that are planted in God's courts will flourish, right? So I'm immovable, you know what that means when I'm immovable? You want to know that like these guys did life. They saw each other's me deals, right? But I don't care about your me deal because I got me deals too. But what's his deal? What's God's deal for us? What has God called us to do here? And they're heading towards something that is just so crazy because the further we go into the story in Acts, the further they're going to go into hardship, heartache, pain, discontentment from everybody around them. And ironically enough, the more joy they're going to have. Which is so countercultural, it's not even funny. Acts 5, 12 through 13 says this, many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. By common consent, they would all meet in Solomon's Canaid 
colonnade. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people praised them highly. Okay, so let's go now. Four R's that move God, that four R's that move God's mission's far. Four R's that move God's mission far. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us in spite of us. Every person in this room has sinned and fallen short of your glory. Every person online listening, myself, we have all sinned and fallen short of your glory. And somehow, some way, you still allow us to be used in your greater story for a greater purpose that will bring true fulfillment and satisfactions into our souls. Help us to be people that see beyond ourselves today. Father, we don't want to be counted amongst the masses that are heading to the eternal slaughter. We want to be your people, a people that aren't in it for ourselves, but for your purpose, for your goodness, and by your mercy, through your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bobby Owenby says amen. It's amen. Okay. Cortez, good to see you, man. Love you. Did you join the army? What? Give Cortez a round of applause. As a church, we're supposed to be supportive, so I'm going to need you guys after church to line up in the snow, and we're going to pack practice low crawl, high crawl, mid crawl, just to get them ready. Four hours now, number one results. God was doing an undeniable work amongst the people, Right? Undeniable. Many signs and wonder were, wonders were being done among the people. Okay, storyline, right? Acts 1. Let's, let's go all the way back. Storyline here. There's a great commission. Jesus comes back from the dead, right? 40 days, he appears to the disciples. He's like, hey, you're going to go out, do that great commission thing. Preach my name, do my thing. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Judea, Samaria, the uttermost. They start going out. Holy Spirit starts showing up. God's keeping his word. You do my deal, you know. I, I, I show up. And so now great things are happening. Pentecost happens. 3,000 people are saved. The healing of the lame man. Some discord, some dissension from the people, the religious people in God's house. But yet all the more, 5,000 more come to know Jesus Christ. We got 8,000 saved. The mission is moving forward. Now through boldness and through faith, great things are happening. The people are starting to actually invest. Barnabas is trading in his goods. They're selling their houses. They're selling their possessions. They're like, I'm kingdom minded, right? I, I want to see people get saved because in the end that's what matters right in the end that's the big picture is what did i do for god in the end when i face jesus face to face which none of us are getting past right all of us go before that judgment seat what did i really do for the namesake of jesus christ and so these guys are getting with it and they're selling things and they're committed against all odds and then all of a sudden we start to meet these guys ananias and sapphira and they drop dead because they weren't so committed right they were externally doing the thing but internally eternally not right god is like hey here's a little lesson people are going to die great fear grips them now we're going out we're going to continue on that's what i love about this two people drop dead and peter and them guys look at each other's like hey moving forward right let's go i want to believe that peter actually probably looked at these guys and said man it's stinky in here with these corpses can we we got work to do Anybody got some body spray, axe, something? 
And God was doing an undeniable work amongst the people. Many signs and wonders were being done among the people. Okay, signs, when we see that word. And no, Nikki, not your maiden name. Different spelling. Samion, which means of miracles and wonders by which God authenticates the men sent by him or by which men prove that the cause they are pleading is God's. Right? This is a necessity for God to get glorified is using people. Do you believe that? From the beginning of time, God uses people. Right? Everyday ordinary fishermen. The rejects, the outcasts, the less thans. Here we are, Peter and the boys, many signs and wonders. Nobody's denying it. Great work is happening amongst people through, number two, a resource. God was doing his supernatural thing through natural people, normal, everyday people. Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles, okay? Apostles. Think about this next time you eat pasta, please. Like, shout out to those guys. This is delicious. Apostolos, a messenger sent forth with orders. Okay, here's your orders, right? Cortez, you're getting ready to be an apostolos of Uncle Sam. You're going to find out very fast that you don't determine the flow of your life anymore, the travel of your life. And when it's time, it's time. Right? Freedom has expired for the sake of freedom. Amen. And all the people who fulfilled their contract are saying, hey, good luck, buddy. So it goes with us in Christ. Right? Just, just like the military, just like that moment, you sign your name to a contract. You have agreed, I lay down my life when the time comes. Right? If it's me or them, it's me. I'm in for whatever. What do you think you did when you signed your name to the eternal invitation that Christ gave you? What, what, what do Christians really believe? What does is, what is the first world we live in really think is going to happen? Do you think you're just going to be like, oh, I love Jesus, and things aren't going to come your way that you're not going to have to make a stand for? It's not going to be difficult, right? Okay, I, let, let me tell you as a byproduct of loving Jesus, it means me getting cussed out when two homosexuals want to get married, and I'm saying no dice. I don't care what you do. I don't hate you, but I ain't doing that thing. Why? Because I believe the Bible. Right? It, 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 it's when somebody calls me and they say, hey, what do you think about this? And I'm like, okay, do you really want to know? Let's go all the way to the beginning. Because what people will do is they'll leave a little, it's never in context. Right? Nothing's ever in context. So if I just jump right out and I tell you all the things that I don't believe, okay? You're going to be like, wow, he is a very, very mean person. He's a bigot. Oh my gosh, you mean he doesn't believe that women are going to rule the world? He's evil. Right? here, We're, we're, we're women. Like, not, By the way, golden girls, I don't believe y'all get to sing and dance and leave the charge in heaven. Just saying, I think it's Jesus. But, but let me be fair, man, if we think that we're all that in a bag of chips, we've missed it. Okay? 
If I jump right out, though, and I tell society everything I don't believe, it's unsolicited, first off. Who cares? So what? It also doesn't really tell them what I believe and why I believe what I believe that has caused me to form those convictions of what I don't believe. And here's a context conversation I had recently, just to put this in proper perspective. I have a guy call me, and he's just, dude, if, I'm telling you, if there was a recorder on my phone, I'd make billions of dollars. Funniest stuff, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, that, what is that, hidden camera shows, you know, where it's like, okay, whatever. Like, dude, this is good stuff. You can't make it up. And you always know if it's a problem with a relationship because it always starts off with something like, I'm going to kill that explicit. Okay? They're, they're upset. And it's, it's what's, what's going on? Well, she, well, she, well, she, well, she, well, she, and I'm like, okay, well, there's 35, well, she's. Well, what about you? You do anything? Like, like nothing? Well, she, well, she, okay, one of two things happened here. Either you're not participating because you're so passive, and by the way, I'd throw you out of my house if that was me. But number two, you ain't fooling me. I'm married. I know how this goes. Right? So now let's talk shop. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, okay, let me put this in context for you so you get it. I said, last, and this is God's honest truth. Tell the truth, shame the devil, I don't care. I said, last, last weekend, here's the here's, here's, here's truth. And if I told you this, you'd be like, well, what? Okay. I could tell you that I, that I literally went to bed one night and I was furious with my wife. I mean furious. Here's the cool thing about our marriage. So we always know we're going to be better. Just a little drama. Keeps it interesting. But I was furious. And here's why I was furious. If I were to tell you why I was furious, you would say, you're right. Or you might even say, that sounds good. Right? I, I was mad because that night, my, my uh, I don't even know, you know, it just doesn't even feel right sometimes saying this, but mom came to our house. Well, my mom came to our house and got kicked out of my house. And she didn't just kick, kick, kicked out of my house. She got kicked out of my life. And I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you, oh, you can't do that. You're a Christian. What? Where does it say that I have to have some cookie cutter relationship with any individual? Do I forgive my mom? Yeah. But I was already done and moved past this at three years old, right? It was the first or second or tenth overdose where I was just like, eh, it is what it is. Par for the course. I said some really mean things in the interaction, right? I may have even used a naughty word. At the end of the interaction, my wife says to me, in her loving mercy and kindness and hope for all humanity, do you think you went too far? 
You got to understand this about me. Okay? She, she says last night on the car ride, she's like, I just want to let you know you don't ever answer my questions. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, like that. I'm like, what, what, what's good? Woman, come on. What's going on? She's like, every time I ask you a question, you don't, you ask me a question in return. And here's what I said. I said, because I don't answer to you. Think about that. Is that wrong? Is that not biblical? Is that, that, let it soak in. I don't answer to you. You're not my God. Right? I love you. You're not my God. Now, there will be moments I'm going to answer to you whether I like it or not, right? But ultimately, I don't answer to you. And ultimately, you don't answer to me. We answer to a higher authority. So in context, I told this guy, now understanding these things, I said, in context, if I shared with you that my wife did the unpardonable sin, and she questioned me in front of my kids. And they're on the counter like, yeah, dad, dad will throw anybody out. That's what I'm talking about. I'm like bouncing for Jesus, you know. And uh, was she right? Was I right? Was, it just was. It just is. Why do we have to be right or wrong? I'm always wrong if I look at the gospel, right? There's something I could do better in every transaction if I look back at it. So who cares? So what? Now what? And I said, maybe, maybe have you never been able to do this with somebody? That's what I said to him. I said, have you ever been able just to tell somebody the truth? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, okay, so if I tell you my vague story and I tell you I went to bed with, you know, I was furious with my wife, you'd be like, oh, man, it's not, not the truth. But if I start going into details along the way, right, that's the truth. It's not, it, it's not everything you always need to say or should say or whatever, but I'm just telling you, maybe you're leaving the truth out of what you're telling. To which he tells me then that he's got a bad habit of not caring about her at all and telling her so. I'm like, now it makes sense. A bigger picture. Now think about this in context, in Christianity, in our theology, God's doing supernatural things through natural people sent out with his orders, right? Now, here's what they're not having time to do. The disciples aren't going up there meddling about stupidity. They're, they're not rolling around the cities talking about, ah, yeah, I don't know about this vaccine. I, I, I don't know, you know, like stocks, bonds, 401ks, whatever, you know. Here's kind of my new theory, like why die with a lot of money in the bank when you can have fun? Leave them dead. It builds character. Love you, kids. And third, reality. God was doing his work through a few, and many were meeting. How many people understand that there are a lot of people that live in the world, 
right? How many of those people are actually influencing the flow of the world? There are a lot of people that go to churches. There are a lot of pastors in churches. There are a lot of whatever. The list goes on any which way, shape, or form. You probably, some of you probably are at a job where you go to work every day and there's a lot of people employed at the place of your work, but it's very few that are actually motivating people to do better. Right? It's very few that are actually going the above and beyond, that are standing out, that are stepping out, that are actually shining in the environment, that might actually be worthy of an award, that might actually make or earn their promotion or their, uh, their raise or whatever. And that's where these guys are. By common consent, they would all meet in Solomon's colonnade. So everybody had the same passion. Hey, we're here for Jesus, man. We're in it to win it, baby. Let's go. All right. Verse 13, none of the rest dared to join them. That is huge, right? The reality, God's doing his work through a very few, but many are meeting, right? Okay, so talmao, when we talk about the word dared, we're talking about people that would bear and endure and actually be bold and believe in what they're doing, okay? So none of the rest dared. You know what that means? They weren't daring and they couldn't dare or be dared because they were scared. They were scared. I told my wife, I said last night we were in the car and having one of our deep philosophical discussions. And she, I think she was confronting me about the way I handled something or somebody, or I don't even remember what it was, but she made a statement. And she said, man, your tolerance is just getting lower as you get older. I said, I know, isn't it awesome? I said, I'm having the time of my life, man. Here's why. And, and here's where some of you guys are at. I'm done with the disrespectful crap. You want to come in my face, expect a jab. You want to say something, get ready for an action. What happened to that? Wasn't that the way it was? Wasn't that, I mean, do we see that in the Bible? Yes or no? These people go out and they say, we are Christians. We believe in Christ crucified on the cross. We don't believe in your new world order. We don't believe in all these things of Caesar and all this Roman empire. Our hope is in Jesus. We don't agree with you, man. And were they willing to die when they said that? You better believe it because they did. You better believe it because they did. What did Jesus himself say? He who holds on to his life is going to lose it. If you're still worried about what the, what's going to happen to me if I... Uh, let me tell you as a person who has made a lot of mistakes in life, failed many times, found myself on my rear end more than 30... And literally had to regroup and refine a different network many times. You're always going to move on if you have Jesus. The Bible says a righteous man will fall many times, but he'll get back up. Wicked fall once and they, they're ruined. 
right? You're, you're, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get knocked down in life, fair? People are not always going to agree with you, and you should never aim to agree with anyone if you don't agree with them. Follow that red flag that's right there in the beginning, and you'll be just fine 30 years from now. Trust your discernment. Trust the Holy Spirit. But stand for something. The great theologian Aaron Tippin, didn't he say it best? You got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. What are people doing? They're falling for anything. Anyone can say anything at any time anymore because now we live in a word-based society, a.k.a. the big snowflake. Pastor, you shouldn't say that. You're going to hurt. So I was, I was at the funeral the other day. And I had a lady come up to me and she said, that was really offensive what you said. And I said, amen, thank you. Hopefully it makes you so mad that you can't get it out of your mind until you see the bigger truth behind it. If we stop when we're offended, if we stop when we're, when we're hurt, if we stop when we're frustrated or mad or sad or sorry, who are we inspiring? What are we doing for the next generation? What are we doing for the greater good of the environment around us? Hey, listen, all of us understand life's going to suck. Jesus said it. He made a promise. It's going to get hard. There's pain. There's pressure. You know, in this world, you will have trials and tribulations. Take heart. In me, there's peace, right? If you haven't come to find out yet, the world ain't getting better. Sorry. Because the writing's on the wall. Selfishness is abounding. And God was doing his work through a very few. Many are meeting. None of the rest dared join them. They scurred. Number four, reason. Not everyone was called to the front line of ministry. Listen, it's okay to be scared. I'm going to give you my only because I've been married to a social worker for so long speech now. This would have never been in my vocabulary 10 years ago, just so you know. Half of, by, by the way, 99, let's just, I'm not even going to say half. I'm going to say 99% of the time you don't see me on the front page of the local news. It's because I'm married to who I am. She somehow grounds me. I don't get it, but it somehow works. And she's sneaky too, because for a long time I thought, I'm like, man, I'm really, I'm, I'm socking it to her. I'm proving the point, right? I'm changing this environment. And then over time you're like, wait a minute, I changed. What happened? Let, let, let me give you my care about your feelings speech here really quick. Ready? It's okay to be scared but stop calling it scared. Start calling it a healthy respect. Start calling it a reverence. Don't let it be fear because that's what the enemy is looking for. I'm not afraid of anything because I am submitted to the one true God. My Lord is sovereign and no matter what happens, he is good and he is with me. I fear not anything when God is with me, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, right? God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of sound mind, love, and power. Now, that's great, but here's what I'm saying in practicality. I'm not telling you to go out, leave this service, carry that cross down I-70 in the middle of the snowbank, and say, let's go, doom and gloom, baby. But I am asking you, 
do you not have enough time to make coffee on a Sunday morning? Do you have 10 bucks in your wallet? I don't know. Practical things. What does it mean to you? Are you invested? You don't have to do everything, but nothing is not an excuse. Something. Let's go forward and moving forward now. But not everyone was called to the front line of ministry. I love how this plays out. Just like the military, A, God has set up several roles that are necessary for the mission to succeed, okay? So let's talk about this, right? Jesus had two or three. We talked about this earlier, you know, kind of, you know, there's the transfiguration, blah, blah, blah. There wasn't really many that were getting involved, right? And the people that were getting involved were playing a really big role because there was only so little of them, right? Okay, worship team coming up. You, you wouldn't think this, but you know what? I think about this kind of stuff all the time, right? I think about Scott out there doing coffee. How many of you guys would miss it if you came in and you didn't have coffee? Anybody? Anybody like coming in and having coffee? Not that hard to do probably, but Scott's here faithfully every Sunday morning and he's making the coffee, baby. The grounds are grounded, if you know what I'm saying. And it's God's lean and mean bean, baby. Roy and Maria and the work they do back there in the kids' room. Every week, they're there, right? Mel, Caleb, if they're out sick for a few weeks, man, I miss seeing them at that connection desk. Maybe we don't say these things like we should, though. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe we should start looking around more and encouraging. I don't know why I'm saying this. I'm just saying spirit-led. Let's be honest. Sometimes it's not the huge thing that God needs, and it's not the huge thing that's always needed. It's consistency over time. Maybe it's in Wendy and Clayton, what they do on Monday nights. Maybe it's in Luke and Amber and what they're doing with the Monday nights and what Amber is doing here daily as she tries to tend to somewhat me and Brandon. Imagine that. Maybe it's in Charlie. Where would we be without a live stream? COVID hit. At the beginning of COVID, I think we had 300 or 400 some people watch that. We got almost 700 people that watch online now. That's the message going outward. If Charlie didn't show up, there'd be people somewhere that might miss that. Maybe it's in Jessica singing on the stage. Maybe it's in Carol in what she does, not just here, but behind the scenes all the time. Maybe it's in Carol continuing to show up on Wednesdays, even when she and I have to get up, get up for work at midnight to go do what we do. And we're here for the kids and we're here for the youth. Maybe it's in this big bearded guy that's right behind me. Just so you know, there's a couple people that have learned this message. You can have a lot of complaints about people, but if you say something about Brandon, we might fight. You've already, look at him. You've acknowledged he's a mess. You accept him. He is your brethren. God sets this up for a reason. He puts a chain of command in effect, and it's for our sake. It's for the obedience and the greater good. I've never met somebody that actually went to church to get fed that didn't get fed. People are like, I, I, I left there, I wasn't getting fed. Like, what? 
I had a problem with this. Yeah, you're the problem. You thought about that? You ain't God, homeboy. And you know what this OG specializes in right here? I break you down and break you off. Because there's not a day in my life that I don't come to realize who I am and who I'd be without Jesus Christ. I was a nobody from nowhere with nothing. We were poor as dirt, grew up in a drug environment with not even a running vehicle. Piece of crap environment. God, rich in his mercy, intervened in my life. Now, if I told you my whole story, you'd look at me and you'd say, dude, you're still standing. That's a miracle. And it's not the fact that I survived, but it's the fact that I got filled with the Holy Spirit and my life has thrived. I talk to people all the time that I went to school with and they're like, wow, you're the success story. And I'm like, isn't it kind of crazy how all the people that you thought were going to be something because they had the right house or living on the right street, they're really kind of lazy losers now. There's something to be said about a dude that grows up in crap that's got a little bit of grit. There's something about a person that is just humble in their heart and goes out every day and says, I'm not better than anyone, and by the grace of God, go I. Imagine the difference you could make if you got over you. Imagine the difference we could make if we got over us. Some people will never confront and command, lastly, an evil spirit out of someone in the name of Jesus Christ, but they might still be the reason that person gets set free or stays free from it. I love this. They were too scared to go out to battle, but you know what they did? They spread a good reputation. They spread a good name. Hey, there's something about this Peter. There's something about him, man. You got to go check him out. He's a little bit wild. You might like him. He cuts ears off and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm there. Y'all might get along. They didn't dare join them for the bigger things, but they were praising daily, and they were doing the daily work to make sure people knew, hey, on Sunday we're meeting. And I don't know what's going to come out of this dude's mouth, but he's decent. And I say that to close with this. In 2017 or 2018, I was preaching a sermon. It was on Mark 6, 14, 16, 14 through 18. It was a great commission story. I got to verse 17, and the Bible says, Jesus was speaking, in my name they will drive out demons, okay? So this dude's been coming to church. He's sitting right over there, right where Dr. Fears is, right there. Right where, probably about right there. And I just watch him start to get agitated as I'm talking about this. His body is going into like almost a convulsion. He's getting upset, like he's like trying to fight it or fight with whatever. After the service, he came over here and he came down there and I was over there and he says, hey, do you really believe that? And I said, what? He said, what you said about it in my name? I said, sure, yeah, absolutely. And he said, well, I got some stuff going on. And I was like, well, I ain't got, you know, I, I don't know what's going on, but I can pray with you. And we prayed and then he went out afterwards and he prayed with Ross, and you, got, you guys know Ross, who's here a couple of weeks. You know, Ross, the big guy, looks like the Terminator when you see him at the front door, right? And he ends up, like, sending me a message. He just starts talking trash on Ross, like, I'm going to fight him and all this stuff. I'm like, you picked the wrong guy, dude. Hey, I'm, I'm there. I'll watch, right? Like, what kind of powers this guy have? You know, he prayed with me and whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay. Now, this guy came here because his kid came here on a Wednesday night. And his kid said, Dad, you're a veteran. He's a veteran. 
You've been hurt. He's been hurt. He's a real person. You guys might get along. You, you, you might. He didn't go and drive a demon out of his dad. But you know what happened? Dad starts coming to church to just check it out. Now he's in this room and now he's in this place. And now all of a sudden he's texting me on a Sunday night. And he's like, are you for real about this, dude? And I'm like, dude, I grew up in the trailer hood. I'm down for whatever, man. He said, I keep looking in the mirror and his face pops out. This might be free. This is real life, dude. Supernatural life. He said, his face keeps popping out at me. It's not my face from within my face. And he keeps saying, you're effed. And I said, well, tell that face he is in the name of Jesus. And we got to the week. Now, understand at this point, yes, I had been a part of many things, but I had never really done a full-blown, what we was getting ready to do type deal where we're just going out and we're like looking for the demons, demon hunting, right? And so God sent a dude here and he's been coming to church and we pre-planned a Tuesday night meeting and Tuesday night we were going to have this dinner and it wasn't going to work out. God worked it out somehow, some way. And we got to talking and I shared this message that I had sent. This dude's like, oh yeah, dude, when I was in the Air Force, guy's like 20 year Air Force veteran. He's security forces, probably killed more people than polio. I don't know. But he's like, yeah, when I was in the Air Force, we went out and we got into this stuff and it's just, it's just delivering a demon, dude. There's nothing to it. I'm like, oh, cool. Sounds great. I like this confidence. Made me, yeah, let's do it. He's like, make sure you don't eat anything tomorrow. I'm like, what? No Big Mac? He's like, nothing. We're going to fast and pray. I feel this one's going to be a big. Call Ross. Ross is down. I'm like, okay. It's on. And so Wednesday night, we set it up, dude. We was in a trailer that back room you want to talk about a 40 minute fist fight with every iron Mike Tyson hell has to fight the forces of heaven we was praying a simple prayer and we was just forgiving people and all of a sudden forgiveness was over and the fight was on I don't know what happened we slung shot across the room and he's like dude my shoulder I think you broke it and he's starting to like try to bite me and weeping and gnashing the teeth and just crazy things 35, 40 minutes into that, there was no more anger. There was no more sadness. There was no more sorrow. There was no fear. There was no more tears. There was no more devil in this dude's life. It was the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. And we came up off that floor and we was all scuffed up, but we was hugging and it was for real. And it was love. And it wasn't our love because after a dude tries doing that stuff with me, I'm usually going to jack him up. But I'm like, we hugging and we're crying and we're close and none of this makes sense. But here's what I'm saying. What happens in this trailer stays in this trailer because I think my pants is halfway down. I don't know what happened. And that dude got up here on a Sunday morning. It's still online. You go back and watch. He gave his testimony. He's like, I just came here, got, you know, blah, blah, blah. And just kind of kept it a little bit vague. But through that work, him just doing that little deal, his son just doing a little deal, I was able to be a part of probably 75 demonic deliverances in a very short span. 
Now, I will tell you, there is no greater men's ministry on the face of the earth. And dudes, if you want to get jacked up about anything in the name of Jesus, it's fighting a good fight, and it's fighting hell out of people. You want to wrestle, you want to sweat, you want to come out and feel like you did something for the kingdom of God, let's get it on. But I'll tell you, their lives didn't change because of any message I preached on a Sunday morning. They didn't even come here because of any invitation I gave. It was through this person and this person and this person and that person. And there's nothing I could say or do because at the end of the day, all I am is the little messenger boy for the greater story. It's not about me. It's about him. And you know what? With man, some things are possible. With God, what's possible? So some of you came in the room this morning. Some people are watching online. And you got some chains that you haven't shaked. You got some things that are hovering over your head. You've got some worries or fears or concerns or hate or discontent in your heart. And I'd say to you, if God could, then can he now? Because it's still at the mention of Jesus. Just the name of Jesus. That the devil is defeated. That darkness is driven away. That light is shined maybe for the first time on the most darkest of a soul in the deepest of the place where a space had been made that was just hate, that was just hurt, that was just sad before. Broken little boys, broken little girls. All of a sudden at the mention of Jesus, Jesus has turned this wimp into a warrior, a wrecking machine for the glory of God. And I don't know about you, but I still believe at the mention of the name of Jesus miracles happen mistakes fade away sin is held in subjection to its higher power and all the shame and all the condemnation and all the guilt it just goes away because now it's the bigger picture baby it is the alpha and the omega He truly is the first and the last and the one that will always be. And you know what happens when I buy into the bigger story? And when I do that work, whatever simple work it might be, I get more connected to more strength and more grace and more good stuff than I can ever imagine. I am telling you this, church, don't miss out on what God wants to do with you. You're not an accident. You're not a coincidence. You're not a mistake. You were made for great things by the greatest of gods. Just like Ephesians 139 declares, David says, I will praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made in your image. I was intricately designed before anything was. You had a plan of me. Ephesians 2.10, you know what Paul says? He says, church, you're, you're, you're God's handiwork. You are together a masterpiece for the master now you know what i'm grateful for is the master is really good at gluing things back together 
And you know what he wants to do right here in Creekside? And I see it every Sunday. He takes us in our brokenness and he puts us together. And he glues us in the spirit. And somehow at the end of every Sunday service, I always walk out here feeling reinvigorating, refocused, recharged, refreshed. And you know what I think that is? I think that must be the Holy Spirit of God that's here. What do you think? I think it's the very same power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave. That's the same power that is taking all of us from all the places, all the spaces, all the hurts, all the hardships, bringing us together and putting us out into a world better than what we came in. How many of you guys, you ain't there yet, but you're better than where you were. And you're farther along in the journey than where you were. And maybe you don't know it all, but you know what? You know one thing. Jesus Christ is Lord. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the name of names, the king of kings, the first and the last, the one who always will be, the alpha, the omega, the finisher of our faith, King Jesus. Who came here to praise the name of Jesus? Who here is grateful for the name of Jesus? How many of you guys know that it's the name of Jesus that's greater than every name? I don't got depression. I got Jesus. I don't have anxiety. I have Jesus. You might see me limping or you might think I'm gimping, but baby in Jesus, I'm pimping. My story ain't over. How about yours? It's just begun, baby. How about you? You know what I say? Let's be the group of crustiest, crabbiest, grumpiest, most unwavering people filled with more joy at every mark that we see God show up. And let it start today. Who is ready for God to just show up in this place? because that's where it all happens man that's where it all happens people say all the time they look at me and they look at my wife and they're like she's with you I'm like yeah God's real you should have showed up Sunday you would have got a hot one too sorry that's all I did how many of you guys has God been good to and you deserve to give him a little bit of thanksgiving today let's do the thing man